stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Howdy and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Now, I often talk about having a music background and used to sing in bands and all that kind of stuff. And uh, today I'm actually chatting with Ian Handerside, who I played in a band with right back in my 20s. And Ian is like he was a primary school teacher for years and a music teacher. And um, as I mentioned, we played in a band together. He got into filmmaking and then he got into book writing and he's I think up to about his 10th uh, 10th novel. So if, if you're thinking about uh, writing a book or, you know, you're just thinking, oh, I'd love to write something. I know so many people who say I want to write a book. Uh, this episode, I reckon, is going to be just the thing you need to start your mind going, oh, you know what? I reckon I can do that, and I and I reckon you should. By the way, uh, if you've got time to do it, but it's such a great outlet, and we we probably get into a lot of personal stuff in here too. And oh, I remember this, remember that. It's actually a really good conversation. I'm so glad that um, I, I got the chance to speak to Ian, and I reckon you're going to love it too. So without me spoiling any of the information and telling you what happens to Beth Duncan, the, the star of his books, uh, let's get into it. So welcome, Ian. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, welcome, Kez. <laughs> nice <laughs> to see you again. <laughs> nice to see you again. Listen to us being all formal. Welcome, Ian. Welcome, Kez. And, uh, you know, just for the listeners, you and I, go back oh we'd have to be decades actually we, oh yes when did we i reckon i met you when i was in my 20s i'm now just turned 60 so it's probably a good 35 40 years ago that we it would be met. yes because yeah. i got moved to uh maui the school of maui in i think it was was it 85 wow no, was it earlier than that something like that no that i would have been 22 so yeah yeah, something like that. Anyway, early to mid eighties, I got um, moved to Maui, for yeah. and um, that's where I tried out for the band down there. I was just looking around, and uh, I played with a I've forgotten he had really long hair. I can't remember his name, but I did a Harold. jam. Who? Harold. Harold. That was him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was a nice guy. And yeah. we finished the jam, and he said, "You're not right for us." I said, "Look, I'm not right for you." They were heavy, really heavy rock, heavy metal almost heavy punk, and he said, but I know the person you want to speak to, and that was you. Yeah. And he put me on to you guys. That's right. And we had um Eddie playing with us, and Eddie was too heavy for us, and he swapped. So Eddie went and played with them, and you come and yeah. played with us. It was fantastic. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, what a swap. Oh, back in those days, I remember, and poor poor Harold, he actually um, ended up with back cancer and, and passed oh, away. Yeah, we're really oh. sad. And he used to... Oh. He used to live in, uh, he's such a nice guy, he used to live in a um, 
a little house on the yeah. on the roadside at um Druin Druin uh Druin Druin I can't remember Druin West and we used to we used to set up at the band out on the nature strip and all and just let everyone uh, listen to us as we played past as they drove past but I love those days I, I keep saying oh. the good old days the good old days but you know we have to grow old we do well yeah well you know you guys were good it was just, it was just what I wanted and um hopefully I was okay for you guys and uh yeah, we we got going and started getting gigs. Oh, you were okay for us guys, and uh, so we had the band strategy, and we, yeah. how I reckon we played for, well, we played for a long, long time. Long. We played for four and a half years. Was that only four and a half years? I'm pretty sure it was because I was I was at Nelly for four years, and it went on a bit after that, and we started doing some Melbourne gigs. And we seriously had to sit down and have a think of what we were going to do, were we, how hard we were going to push it. I think we were talking about you guys moving down to Melbourne. Yeah. But it didn't happen. And um, and then it sort of petered out. Um, it, yeah. it, the tyranny of distance it was. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, for a while I was travelling from Berwick up to uh, Warrigal to practice. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, it didn't continue, it, and then I sort of got out of it altogether and just concentrated on the teaching side. Or yeah. Teaching. yeah, yeah. But it was a good run. It we was played- a good run, and I remember when we when we doing those Melbourne gigs, gigs we changed our name to the, to the Hobby Rs, and we all wore black and white oh, yeah. t-shirts. Remember, and and we yeah. and and uh, Brent was drumming i'll never forget that we'd replaced ray had left and we had brent drumming and, right. and we were set up in the swan hotel in richmond and, right. and we were so tight in that little corner that that the the big the symbol the crash symbol was right in my ear and and actually sliced my ear twice really? during the night yes Jeez. <laughs> and we had angus on guitar and he he had blood all over his guitar from his fingers <laughs> Oh jeez, I tell you. Oh god. You and I were just saying off air, and sorry about sorry about this, listeners. Um, we will get to the content soon, but we you know, we've just we've just caught up after a number of years. But um, uh, you know that that we were working many many nights playing, and uh, plus having having full time jobs as well. And yeah. I was I was a postie then, and and you you were talking about you and I both reaching burnout you know that that our bodies sort of said no no freaking more that's enough but I was a postie and so I'd get home from gigs at like three in the morning you know because we played all over Gippsland and and beyond and and three in the morning I'd go to bed and I'd have to be up again at five because I started work as a postie at six and I'd get home at like two in the afternoon and then I'd sleep for two hours and I'm off to a gig and your body your body can't sustain no it couldn't we both we both had physical breakdowns you know the body's just said you cannot do this anymore yeah Yeah. imagine trying to do it at our age (laughs) oh god no no, I just do a few small gigs and that's that's fine and just enjoy playing with the uh, the girl, our drummer, our girl drummer, she's full-time work still, so um, we have to be respectful of her time. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that band is called Turn It Up. So if anyone yeah, wants turn, to turn it up, yeah. Check and, it out, uh, you can see it at turnitup.biz. Yeah. We also were doing a, uh, a Kinks tribute band show, but we only did a few shows of that and um, – Funnily enough, all the Beatles tribute band shows and Kylie Minogue tribute and all, they do really well, but we found that people weren't really receptive to the kinks, which we found very strange. 
because mm. yeah anyway we call ourselves the waterloo sunsets you yeah. can look us up if you want the waterloo sunsets.com or wherever it is and um we do a whole heap of kink songs and we do them well but um the public wasn't so into it as we thought they would be you know yeah. oh, they're into the Beatles, yeah. Stones, Beatles and Stones, that like that, but um, the Kinks um, didn't work as well. Doesn't matter. Maybe the Kinks weren't as popular. <laughs> well, they were. They were a number three band for a while. Oh, for were they? A while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah, I loved them. But and we used to play a lot of the Kinks songs as as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. we still yeah enjoyed doing them. I still enjoyed learn learning new ones. I still enjoyed it, but um, yeah, it didn't quite work out with the public. Got a couple of gigs like that. I mean, we dressed up and um, everything in the, with the frills and the red jackets and all that, but, oh, well, it doesn't matter. We still do our regular stuff. And that's yeah. the main thing. No, that's good. Oh, anyway, I don't play anymore. I had my thyroid out and I couldn't sing. I can't sing anymore, so uh, my days, my, my, my my days are over. Is, my voice is pretty uh, from all those years of teaching. <laughs> oh, from all those years of singing, I'd say. Oh, but, yeah. Well, so- I was a music teacher for um, 20 years. I was just yeah. going to say that you you let's go back to the start of this because you're just talking about your drummer still having a full time job and you yeah. know like and so you started as a primary teacher and and as yeah. and as a music teacher and so and you did that for twenty years and, yes and, and and then what like then well at the end of my time um, I had started tinkering around uh, with a, a small video camera I remember now, that. Yeah, and I found the school had some. So I started giving these lessons on to the kids on how to shoot videos. And then I started making videos myself um, out of school hours and um, just shorts. And then I realized you could send them off to competitions and things. And I thought, oh, that's pretty good. So I started to meet people and talk to people and got people on side and did my little videos. And that was all very nice. Then I um, thought I wouldn't mind doing a major, a major movie sometime. So because I wrote a lot of songs, you know, remember I used to write yeah. songs then, yeah. Um, I decided uh, I'd try and write some movie scripts and I sort of just knocked a few out and then um, got talking to some people and they decided, I sort of got coerced into it, well, why don't you do a major? And here's the silly part. And I thought, yeah, okay, but I want to be in charge. So I put my money in, oops, yeah. And, yeah. Did, and I wrote, had the script. So there's no worry there. So I'm paying these people to act and be you know, a, a director I knew, guy I knew, and all these people that you have to have on board. And uh, we did it, but uh, it didn't go anywhere. Made a few festivals around the world, and that's about it. It was called Zyko Rock. Yeah. And they changed my script, and they made it more hard-hitting, and they did all this stuff. And the end result wasn't what I imagined. Yeah. So I was a bit disappointed. And then... Um, at the end of that, uh, I thought, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is ridiculous. I've lost a lot of money. Um, I had it to lose, luckily, because mm-hmm. I'd just finished teaching. But um, I thought, mm, you know, I won't do it. And then I thought, well, I'll do one more small one, a short. I'll do it my way. Yeah. And I'll be director. I'm not the world's greatest director, but I'll be the director. And I know the script and I know what's what. So I got a couple of kids to help out and some friends to help out. And we did it. And it was called um, Just Friends. And it's a cute little story, and I like the subtlety of um, a script and of acting. Uh, you know, you don't have to go be heavy-handed all the time. Anyway, cut a long story short, the uh, I did the film, put it out there. It got accepted at Cannes in France, wow. the main the main festival, and yeah. it was sh- it was shown, it was accepted and shown. It didn't make the final, 
if it made the final, I'd probably be in the news and all that. But it was accepted, and they get thousands of entries. And I got a nice letter back from them saying how well it was appreciated. And so I thought, well, right, there you go. There's your first lesson in life, son. Be true to yourself. Don't listen to other people. Sure, take in information, but be strong and be true. So um, I thought, hmm, that's – and then I got deathly sick. Um, oh. I had, yeah, just after that finished, and I had finished – I had almost finished at school. Um, I got deathly sick. I had pancreatitis. Oh, God, really? I was in hospital for three months. Wow. Yeah. In fact, I believe I died at one stage and they got me back. So, wow. yeah, pretty heavy. Anyway, that took a year to get over that. Three months yeah. on school, six months recovery, went back to work. I wasn't into work anymore. And they said, look, just hang in and for 18 months doing minor stuff and then take, 50, in those days, 54-11. And so then I was out and that was okay. And um, I'm sitting there and looking at scripts that I had written now, I write everything freehand. Mm, I know. <laughs> here, is, here, is, here is the sort of thing that I do, you know. I wow. write, and there's about 30 pages of those, books of those manuscripts. So I'm sitting there with the old manuscript, and it was uh, called something else. And I said, hey, these aren't going to be made. These film scores, these screenplays are not going to be done. And what do I do with them? And I thought, wait, wait a minute. It's an outline. A screenplay is nothing more than an outline. Yeah. For the viewers who are interested, you know, um, if someone writes a book and a publishing company buy, or a company buys the rights to that book, they buy the rights to uh, film it or make a movie. Yeah. Uh, and they usually give it off to screenwriters to write a screenplay from the book. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I yeah. did the reverse. There I am sitting on a screenplay. I thought, why don't I extend it? and make it into a novel, something different. I don't want to do any more movies. And so I did that, and that became the first book, Luina, and that's how it started. I don't know what date, I guess around about 2000 and, I don't know, 14, 15, something like that. Yeah. So I, wow. I changed it down and extended it and made it into a novel and then talked to some people <laughs> and got an editor, a professional editor, edit it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I just want to stop. I just want to stop you there because I'm just noticing all the um yeah. the patterns a bit between you and I. Like the exact, you know, we both we both yeah. sort of joined the band together. We both had burnout together. We both we both were just talking before. Both found our love in our early mid to in our mid fifties. You know, our, and and we both um both wrote our first book in 2014. There's just so many <laughs> so many things that are just like chunk 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 chunk. I just want before you keep going on there. I just want yeah. to ask you. You said before um, you were looking at all these scripts, and you said, "Well, that that's it. There's no more films." Why did you? Why after having all that close to success, you know, at the festival, why did why did you then decide, "Well, that's it. There's no more films." Like, what what made that decision happen? Well, to do it properly, you have to go into that business full time. Yeah, and that means as a as a writer, that means to hocking your um your screenplays around to various dis, uh, various companies, and it is a slog. Most of them aren't interested. They like to go with people they know and this sort of thing. You got to work your way in, knock on doors, talk, arrange meetings, etc., etc., etc. And even then, you probably won't get anywhere. Yeah. Um. So I thought, oh, why bother? You know. And then I thought, look, I enjoy writing, and so why not? And then I just moved to the other 
head off in that area rather yeah. than flog my screenplays. I thought they're good little screenplays. I'm sure they'd be good, but uh, I was over it. So when you wrote Luina, did you, or when you, you know, like decided to extend it and turn it into a novel, yeah. did, you, did you know what you were doing? Because there's a lot of people out there that have got, oh, I'd love to write a story one day, but I don't know what to do. And they just, they don't do it. They just, they freeze and don't do anything. But did you, did you learn as you went or just learn from mistakes or? Well, the, the, the good part is when you write songs, and you wrote songs, mm. when you write songs, you have a theme in your head, yeah. you know, something twigs and you think, oh, yeah, and that's a good line or I like that. Yeah. Uh, and um, and then you put it down and then you start fiddling around with chords and et cetera. Yeah. But you're basically following a pattern of sorts. Yeah. Now, I don't know what your brain's like. Mine is very strange. <laughs> I have a... <laughs> I might very, say that about me too. <laughs> very strange brand brain. It's 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 right hand side of the even at work. I'd be told to. I'm making these quips. Someone would say something in a in the meetings, and I'd go, "Oh yeah, such and such," and they'd say, "Shut up!" You know, <laughs> I should have been a comedy writer, really. But anyway, um, so when I sat down with I had that outline, it wasn't hard. Uh, I had the outline in my head, and it's it's like um, Beethoven. Yep. When Beethoven wrote his Fifth Symphony, um, he was out in the woods, so the story goes. So he was somewhere. Yeah. And he heard something. It might have been a woodpecker going. Yeah. That's all he needed. He had da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. There's his basic theme. The rest is just extension. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da
yeah, it builds and it builds and it builds and it, it becomes very, very nasty and very difficult. And I won't go on any further. Yep. It's just that um, there's a lot of action at the end of the book and yeah. it builds to a, a finale, which is, um, yeah, pretty full on. But um, that's it. So and- that Oh, go on. No, go. No, well, that's it. Basically, it's, it, it's a build of tension. Yeah. And she's living in a backwoods where there's no police and no nothing. And, um, yeah, it's a build of wow. tension. Well, it sounds it sounds like a bloody thrilling read. Tell us, I want to go on to the next, in a minute, go on to how it ends up to the next novel. But when you talk about that little town of Luena, is that in northwest Tassie, does that actually exist? Because I read a little bit about you going to find that town and tell us about that search. Well, we yeah, we it's on the map. You can find it. It's just past. It's before Savage River, and it's out of Louis. It's out of uh, Waratah yeah. in northwest. So we went over. I've been over to Tasmania many times doing research on the main towns that are the, the the books around, which is Launceston. Really, later on, yeah. um, uh, Louisiana's not there. And I talked to people. I eventually found that it, it was there in the eighties, seventies, eighties, and when the mineral boom bust and the mining finished. Um, Everyone just left, and it was just housing. And then they sold the houses off, and the few were left. They destroyed and carted them away. If you drive in, you wouldn't even know it's a town. There's nothing mm. there. It's just grassland uh, and scrub. But wow. if you stop and look, you'll find a few old um, bitumen roads. Uh, and it was, and there are photos of it in uh, in the 1980s. But uh, yeah, it um, it it stopped it um disintegrated and in the book uh i mentioned the town is dying and in real life the town died and so Uh that's actually quite factual um how how did you come across it like what were you doing looking at a map and going oh where's a where's a little town i can write about like how how did you even determine that that might be the town i did exactly what you said oh well (laughs) i looked at a map I said I knew Northwest Tasmania was secluded, you know. Yeah. It's, it's um, and uh, said right, I want a backwards town. And I looked at the map and I saw these names. No, yeah, no, no, no. Oh, Luina. Now there's a nice name. That will do. <laughs> it was very much a case like that. And I said, well, I better find out what this place is like. And so I googled Luina, and these photos came up. And I said, yeah, that's about the right size. Yeah, that's good. We'll stick with that. It's a mining town. Perfect, you know. Little did I know, it's not there. <laughs> it's on the map still. I believe it's on the map. The name's on the map, but it's just not there. Wow. So it was a case of, you know, pin the tail on the donkey, just put a pin in the map <laughs> and find one. So, oh God, I love that. That's what it was. It was originally, originally I think it was going to be called Birchip, and it was going to be set in the, in the Western District right out Birchip Way. But that never gelled with me. I didn't like it. And yeah. It wasn't right. I wanted a backwoods town. So it's, <laughs> it's, it suited. It was fine. Hey, I love it. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with pin the tail on the donkey. <laughs> no, it's fine. Although, although I've got real donkeys and I don't really I don't really uh, favour the idea of people running around with pins, sticking them in the asses. No, like, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> I'm a bit of an animal lover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And so, so... This is my understanding. Tell me how close I am. When yeah. you got when you got to the end of it, and and it was published, and you know it's on Amazon, it's bloody you know worldwide on all the digital sites and everything else. When you got to the end of it, um, 
you talk about that tension, you know, that, that it sort of builds yeah, and builds yeah. and builds into a yeah. thriller and then suddenly stops. And so it suddenly stops. Did you decide that it, it stopped unresolved or did you go, oh, wow, you know what? I reckon I could extend this again because you talked about extending the first. Oh, it, it's both of those. It was unresolved at the end. You know, yeah. you get a finale and it finishes. And then you say to yourself, well, what happened to her after that? And so I, I was sitting down and I was thinking, well, what does happen to her? And uh, my publisher, Brett, said, well, you know, we've got it published. Is that is that the only one? And um, I'd already tried to get published by other people and found it incredibly difficult. Yeah, Publishing houses are not interested in new authors. They may say they are. They may pick two or three out of, I kid you not, I went into this, two or three, maybe four, out of two to 3,000 a yeah. year. Yeah, That's how many manuscripts they get. Yeah, forget forget those houses. Just forget them. The publishing houses, Collins and Penguin, forget them. Okay, so uh, Brett helped me get published online, and that's fine, through Amazon. That's good. Um, and then I sat down and said, well, what happens to her? If anyone reads this, they want, uh, they want to know where she goes. I'm just going to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I just yeah. have to say this. By the way, for listeners, um, Ian is actually talking about Brett Ashby, who was on the podcast about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and 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 if you listen to that, he's the artist that does the skateboarding while he skateboards while he paints, and and Ian actually taught Brent at school. Uh, Brett, Brett was one of um, Ian's students at school. So just, I'm just trying to close the loop on how small this world actually is. And, it is. Uh, Amazing. So, go anyway. Now that I've covered, oh that. no, I, was, I, I did some work with uh, Brett, some other things, photography work, video work a bit, and he 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 took me, helped me, and he and he said, look, I'll publish. I'll show you how to publish because he had had artwork and various uh, art journals type things published, so he knew yeah. how to do it. And um, being uh, probably about the age of thirty five, he was you know in cahoots with the IT network and all that, and yeah. so he knew how IT media works, and so he was incredibly helpful. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So it, it finished. And then I sat down and said, well, what happens to her? And um, once again, you get a theme in your head. Okay. She goes to uni. She was 16, two years passed. She gets into uni. Okay. There it is. What happens at uni? Who knows? You just let your <laughs> brain go <laughs> and you let your brain go. But there's one thing that I carried over, which is very, very useful in all the books. Uh, I don't want to give anything too much away, but in the first book, she has to learn how to defend herself, uh, not martial arts so much as just self-defense, and she really gets stuck in. So at the end of the first novel to the start of the second one, which is called The Fit Girl, because she goes enjoys running, and she's kept the defense training going. So by the start of the second novel, she can really look after herself. Mm. She's, an absolute, she's an absolute sweetie, a really nice kid, really nice girl, a very attractive girl, very fit because of her running and the defense training but she can really look after herself. So if anyone's, you know, wants to jump on or try and batch up or rape her or whatever, no problems there. She has, <laughs> she dishes it out big time. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's the second one, she gets to uni and all sorts of things happen. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And, and then there's a sequel after that, The Fit Girl 2. Yeah, well, see, the whole thing is a series. So yeah. after various adventures, we'll call them adventures, in um, uh, The Fit Girl Part 1 and Part 2, at the end of Part 2, um, she gets approached by these men um, in suits, 
at a police station and they're basically asking her to join ASIO. Wow. Wow. And so she has to make a decision, does she or don't, doesn't she? And and so the next book, uh, sh- the it's really the fourth one, I suppose, um, sh- which I've just released, sh- Secret Girl, she gets her first sort of ASIO job. Wow. And that's wow. the that's the, that's the steel documents from the Chinese embassy in Melbourne. Wow! How do you how do you steal documents from a Chinese embassy? I tell you, I drove back and forth along Albany Road, or whatever it is, Irving Street, and I'm thinking, I'm looking, peering through the window of my car, going slow, looking through the gates, <laughs> taking a photo of the of the building, and knowing the outlay. I thought the police are going to stop me. I'm going to get called up and pulled over and all this. They didn't, and I got an outline of the uh, buildings and everything. And I thought, right, how do we get her in to the Chinese embassy? And then, and I thought, okay, you can do this. To the people out there, sit down and problem solve your problems. Yeah. I, think. I thought, there's a problem. How the hell does she either break in or get in without being seen with all these guards and, and video stuff? And I worked it out. Ah! And it's, it, yeah, I worked it out, and it's it's uh, it's very. I think it's quite funny, actually. I think that's and, great that you did that. I took a photo of in Fiji when they had the coup of a political uh, prison, yeah. and I got shot at. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she doesn't get shot at. It's all very. Um, you have the people have to read it. See, you think how the hell can you do that? And it's um, yeah, it's good. It's interesting. I worked it out, and it it works. So I that's love great. it. Yeah, and then she does another job with to do with the drug trade, and then she has a meeting with the uh, um, the minister of uh, sorry the foreign affairs minister, um, saying well done and all that, and then they decide to keep her quiet. The foreign affairs minister and the prime minister decide to keep her quiet, and so they get rid of her. They take a file and you know delete the file, and she's not known to anyone in Asia at all. But she does undercover work for the foreign foreign minister only. So then <laughs> more jobs come up and no one knows of her. It's really and she's hidden from ASIO, even though she works for them. Yeah, well, your brain definitely works in mysterious <laughs> ways. Um, so now that that's four girls, and you've written, I mean, four girls, four books, yeah. and you've written eight. Yeah, so done eight. No, you've written nine. nine. Eight, eight. I'm, I'm eight. starting a ninth later this year. Oh yeah, and so and your eighth book, London Bound, is due out in October. So there's three books. No, no that'll be the fifth one. London Bound's the fifth one. Oh, the fifth one. I thought you'd written eight books. Yeah, I have. There's London Bound's the fifth. Then yeah. there's Two Daughters. That's the sixth. Yeah. Then there's um, um, Traffickers, the seventh, to do with human trafficking, and the last one is called Scientists. The eighth one oh. will be called Scientists. And two high-level scientists get um, kidnapped, and um, but it's kidnapped by uh, mercenaries hired by the Chinese. And these wow. two scientists have worked for um, uh, the Americans on their Star Wars project, and they know everything. And um, and I thought, well, where the hell am I going to, you know, where the hell will they take? Will I get them out of the country? And it didn't take long to work out that they would try and sneak him out in a part of Australia where it isn't really well manned or uh, mm. submarine, perfect place where I holiday all the time, Palm Cove. And so <laughs> all, all the action happens in North Queensland, Palm Cove. And I know Palm Cove really well. Mm. So I thought, yep, no worries. 
I know what I'm doing here, and I'll see you guys. So you know all the underwater underwater tunnels and all. <laughs> Didn't need that. I knew whether well, you'd have to read it. And, and yeah. as Beth says, when she goes to a meeting with the, the PM, she said, they said, how are you going to get them? And she says, oh, no, we won't get them. They'll get us. They'll come to us. And he, they're all confused. You know, you've got to try say you can rescue these scientists, um, but you're saying they're going to come to you. She said, leave it to me. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Wow. And, and uh, you, have, you have to know, because she's got Shelley working with her, who's her sister. In the first book, oh, God, it's all connected. It's all interweaved. It's all interweaved. Yeah. There's connections all the way. In the very first book where she goes to school, high school for the first time, it's a uh, central school. That is from prep to year 12. Yeah. And a little girl who catches the bus with her is Shelley, Shelley Burns. And Shelley helps her at the start because she knows some of the high school kids just introduce subtly introduces Beth to some high school kids yeah. so that they'll be friends. And 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 Shelley and Beth become really good friends. And she teaches uh, Shelley dance. And then um yeah and the, and Shelley goes all the way through the books. She becomes wow. eventually her name's sister. Yeah. Shelley's great. Wow. A, a real sister. She she's a well, yeah, they, yeah because because Beth's an orphan. She doesn't yeah. have parents. Yeah. Um so Shelley says, I'll become your sister. It was in oh, about yeah. four or five. She says, I'll be your sister. And you can call my mum, mum, you know. And I'm writing oh. this stuff down and crying. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's so sweet. I cry all the time when I write this stuff. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I'm writing away. Tears are trickling. It's so sad. It's so nice, you know. And um, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of promiscuous fun and fun and games. And they are. Uh, because they're fit, they have <laughs> they're out there, girls. I can tell you, <laughs> big time. It's real good. I love it. You when you're saying you um. So the couple of things. One is now let's go to the crying first, only because you know let's uh, do that. You go every year. You go to Palm Cove yep. and you sit there for two to four weeks on the beach in your in your deck chair, sand yep. in the sand in the feet in the hot sand, and and free riding in your free pool. Ride. Yeah, yeah. And and what do you write a novel every year? Like do you, every single year you go there? Do you? Write, uh, you probably. I've, I've been doing two a year, but I'll slow really? down. To, from now on, I'll just slow down to one a year. Yeah. And uh, oh. we'll do. Um, as I said, I've got two more. I know what I know. I know what they're going to be. Yeah. Uh, it's like writing a song, Kes. If yeah. you walk around, people say to me sometimes, you know, uh, one of my songs made tri one Triple J on Earth. I gave yeah. it to another band. And that's all very nice. Um, and then people say, you know, how do you write a song? I said, it's easy. You just close this, open this, and open this, and it's all around you. Yeah. And you walk down the street, you walk down the supermarket, you know, wherever, and there'll be somebody doing something. You know, the famous Mark Knopfler song, Money for Nothing. Yeah. Uh, what did he do? He's... There was Mark Knopfler with his pad and pen in a uh, shop buying a TV. There's a whole heap of TVs, and he heard two workmen talking. Hey, look at that dude over there. Got a bristle on his finger. He's on MTV. That's not work. Yeah, we've got to move these microwave ovens. We've got to move these color TVs. He just wrote down what he heard these guys <laughs> saying. We've got to move these microwave ovens. It's two guys talking. <laughs> and then once they had it right, just open your eyes and ears. It's all around you. Yeah, all, yeah. It is. So, yeah. so when you um, why do you write freehand? Like I'm interested. Oh, in easy. It is a yeah. kinesthetic feel. 
yeah. for a for a, a biro or whatever um, flowing across a page. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah. and it comes, your brain just enjoys the freedom of movement as against tap, 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 tap. Can't stand tap, 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 tap. But if you're writing flowing and your brain's flowing, everything flows from your brain through your arms and your fingers and it just rolls out. Yeah. And it's really, as I said, it's really kinesthetic feel, touch. It's just great and it's the way to go. And then I have to type them up. Oh. I was going to say, who does the typing? Do you do that? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> those two fingers and those two worn down. I'm the world's <laughs> worst typist. World's worst. But I knock it out. I eventually knock it out in about a month of typing. Oh, I'm terrible. I'm terribly slow. But it gets done. Oh, it doesn't matter. It gets done. I'm, I'm just, I'm just imagining you sitting on the bed. Why, why the beach though? Like, what, what's like? A lot of people go to motels and lock themselves away, or a cabin or something. What, what's the beach? You said you do all your writing at the beach. What, what, yeah. why? What's the beach? Okay, the beach also has a microcosm of society there. Yeah, um, and you'll see a whole variety of people acting in a certain way, but the scenery is open. The sky is open. The blue, there might be some clouds, blue sky. The waves are gently rolling along the beach, the soft sand. So you've got this very picturesque, um, relaxed atmosphere, and you can see people doing things. Mm. And you can, you notice their personality, little children, um, teenagers, old people, um, all sorts of people with all sorts of mannerisms are there in front of you in a lovely, picturesque, relaxed environment. Mm. Yeah. And um, sometimes if you're struggling for an idea or thought, you only have to gaze around and there it is in front of you. Yeah. You think, oh, that's it. Like I wrote, you know, that's interesting. And it'll twig your memory or your brain, I mean, and um, it can be helpful or it can just be relaxing and let your mind flow. Yeah. Because I run, I don't have a very big outline. I don't like constrictive outlines. Yeah. I like to have my starting point, my end point. And then let's see what happens in between. It really is almost like that. And I, I, let, my brain, I let my brain just go out on tangents. <laughs> and, but you have to tie it back in. So it's a trick. You go off on tangents and these things happen, that happens. But then it has to. Remember Ronnie Corbett and the two Ronnies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. sitting in that big chair. Yeah. And said, like, I'm going to tell you about my auntie. You know, she was a wonderful lady. You know, she just passed away recently. Oh, you, we've all had people. And he goes off on these tangents. And he's talking about this, that, and everything else. And then after 20 minutes, he comes back and ties it all together to the main theme and finishes with the joke or whatever it was. Uh, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that is that's brilliant. My brain. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Why did you chat? One thing I haven't asked you yet is that, is that um, yes, you are Ian Handerside. That's who I'm inter interviewing. However, you go under the um, uh, pseudonym of James Hand. So why did you? Why why not your your own name? Where where did James Hand very, come from? It's very simple. James is my name. Is my second name. I'm Ian James Handerside. Yeah. And Handerside's too long and too complicated. Yeah. Uh, I just said, no, I just shorten it down so it's easy. So it's easy for people to remember. You, yeah. you say, oh, I met this author. His name was, uh, what was it, Ian? Uh, send hand, hand, they can't remember. Yeah. So if they say, oh, I read this guy, this book, this guy's book, uh, what's his name? Uh, hand, James Hand. It's easy to remember. It's yeah. simple as that. I just yeah. shorten it so people could remember it. That's all. Well, it's effective. <laughs> It works. We've moved. Everyone calls you Hando anyway, so it doesn't matter. They do. Yeah. <laughs> they do. 
I love it. I love it. So how many more? What do you reckon? How many more are coming in? Well, the next one, end of the year, as I said, I know what they were next one's going to be because Beth's worked so hard at uni on the track team. She uh, eventually uh, wins the Australian uh, Olympic uh, trials and is going to the Olympic Games in Japan. So that's the date I'm working on. Now, because it's fiction, um, I could I could write it that she wins or she might come second or third or fourth. Who knows? It doesn't matter. It's only fiction. Um, but uh, she'll go to the Olympic Games, and in that she'll probably get involved if some sort of um, not so much espionage, someone wants to defect. Russian defectors are always good stories. So <laughs> she'll meet a Russian defector, something like that. And there'll be by-play with the Russian, they're not KGB anymore, whatever. There'll be some sort of by-play like that. So it all centred around the Olympic Games and how she goes and defection. And the one after that, I um, once again, it's my brain. I thought, what's the 10th one going to be? What's it going to be? What's she doing? You know. Um, and I'm walking, going for my morning walk and passing a block of flats being built. And there's an electrician, a, a young lad and a young girl who are electricians doing the wiring. And I looked at this young girl who was doing the wiring with the boy, and I said, hmm, a young girl to be an electrician. Yeah, electrician. Oh, and so she's working on wiring of a flat, and all of a sudden the brain just clicks in the gear. Oh, yes. And Beth gets sent, because she's a journalist, a junior journalist, she's just sent to cover a political thing, and she meets a girl who's an old friend, and they chat, and the girl says something's wrong with the wiring. It's been cut. Why would it be cut? And they discover it's been cut so it can be recorded, uh, recording equipment <laughs> put in. And it's the same as um, uh, uh, in America, the uh, Watergate stuff. And I thought, yeah, I know where this is going. Yeah, I know where this is going. Political intrigue through uh, a similar to Watergate, and I'll just oh. let it flow from there. And so the 10th the, the one will be called The Electrician. Love it. So so when 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 is Beth finally going to come to rest, <laughs> or is she not? Only when you do. Well, look, there's, there's, there's areas she can go into. It's really quite strange. Um, one of them is in the books, uh, the lady who is the foreign secretary, she does such good work. She uh, who's um, she says offhand, not to anyone, to herself, she says at one stage, oh, girl, you know, I am going to get you into this department by hook or by crook. You've <laughs> got to become the foreign minister. We need you. So, you know, I've sowed that seed of her talking to herself, saying she wants Beth in the department. Yeah. But Beth's a journalist. She's got a career and she's just been kicked into TV work. So by accident almost. So there's many avenues she could go, you know, um, and I'm not sure where she ends up. But if she went into eventually into politics, that opens up a whole new bag of things. And she wouldn't go novels, in on whole new bag of novels. Oh God, yeah. Can you can you imagine her like um diplomatic relations with other countries is a very tricky business. Yeah. And um there's certain we we never hear Anything, hardly. But I was lucky enough to be taught at school by a fellow who was treading water for a year. No names, that's not fair. And he was waiting to get in a diplomatic corps, and he was a very intelligent fellow. And another fellow I went to school with, I believe, I only believe that he got in through the secret, sort of not secret service, but got in with um, in espionage work with the secret service, uh, with the uh, foreign department. Wow. Um, maybe Asia, I don't know. I haven't seen him for 40 years. I don't know. No names. But there's things that go on that we don't hear anything about. Yeah. And and 
the, the foreign affairs minister, whoever it is, whether it be Liberal, Labour or whatever, um, they know a whole heap of stuff and they're not allowed to say it. Yeah. So you've just got to piece bits and pieces together and, you know, I have some friends who are in the police force and when I was doing Two Daughters, I had to go and see them and say, right, I'm writing this. Can you tell me if what I've written is correct? Yeah. And they said, no, we can't tell you that. I said, well, okay, yeah, we can't, you can't, we can't give you information, but you tell us what you've written and we'll just, you know, nod or no, you know, that's I thing. So I, I wrote what I told them what I had done using logic and I got nods all the way. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, on the right track there. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, mm, fair enough, yeah, okay. So I knew I was, what I'd written was logically correct, so that was okay. And we, we, we should just say right here that if you're reading Ian's books, he does not have their fiction. They're absolute fiction. So don't be <laughs> saying, don't be making your mind up saying that definitely happens in the Department of Foreign Affairs. And no, that, that no. This is there's there's no undercover. Does, uh, does not happen. No <laughs> way. It's, it is definitely it is definitely fiction, but it's just got a tinge of enough of it of reality, so the reader can think. Keep, oh, yeah. Could happen, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. you watch Mission Impossible or whatever those films are, and it's absolutely James Bond. And look, that couldn't happen, yeah. you know. And with all the uh, uh, the green screen action and all that, you know, it's 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 so far out there. It's just yeah. escapism. Well, yeah. fine. You, there's a little doubt. Oh, it could happen. Or oh, they could have done that. You yeah. know, it's yeah. possible. And so uh, it's it's more down to earth. Yeah. yeah, but that keeps you that keeps you interested. That keeps you right there, you know, like imagining that it really could happen and you're like, I want to know what happens next. I want to know what happens next. Like it really does keep you grounded, but well, still whatever. still head in the in, in the clouds a little bit. I'm very much I like the way that the Rocky film went, that you saw him training and you knew he was going to have the fight, but you weren't 100% sure what would happen in the fight. Yeah. You know. Now, yeah. in my books, uh, a lot of things happen, and you but you even see the plans. They, yeah. they explain the plans. You know, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. That's all fine. But then I throw the, always throw the hook line in, eh, but things never go as planned. So <laughs> you throw that line in and the people reading go, ah, is this going to go the way it thought or not? And, of course, it doesn't, you know. <laughs> little, little <laughs> things come in and, um, whoops, she has to think on her feet and get out of tight situations. You know, they're trying to do the right thing, but, whoops, something goes wrong. And uh, that keeps people on their toes. And I like that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So we don't know how many more Beth stories are going, but if you are picking up one of these books, you can't you make sure you do it in sequence and don't yes. just pick it up randomly because if you picked up the sixth one, it might be like, who's Beth Duncan? Where did this come from? Is is that how it is? Or could you Look, it's a little bit yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit. You can pick up the fourth one, um, and it explains very early on what she is, and she's in this situation of now. Yes, she's a student, but she's also a cub reporter for the examiner in Launceston. And so, and you quickly realize she also um, is a, 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 a secret agent of yeah. sorts. But AZ, I don't know of her. It's, yeah. And you, you pick that up. So you don't need the other books to pick up Sh Secret Girl to yeah. enjoy the story. Yeah. That's, that's fine. Yeah. You can, you can pick them, and most of them, you can pick them up. But yeah. each each book does definitely lead to the next one, to the next one. Like yeah. in the one book, she has a meeting. Yeah, you know, she's going for a run, and the foreign affairs minister stops and says, "I've got a job for you. Let's have coffee." 
and it's got to be you. It can't be anyone else. Yeah. And that book sort of she outlines the job sort of and then it finishes. Yeah. And the next book starts. She's at the airport about to fly out to, well, it's London bound, about to fly out to England do this job, a drug-related case. So, yeah. And oh, I, I love it. Yeah. Who, who was that band, Ian, that, that um, <laughs> there was a band that, uh, recorded albums and they're, they're very famous and I can't think off the top of my head who it was, but each each album led into the next one. They're, I can't. Oh, no, I don't know. Oh, I, I just can't think who it is. But there is a really, really big band, a really famous band, and and it was, and I can't remember how it happened. I don't know whether it was just half a song at the very end. You know one of those secret songs? Do you yeah, know, yeah, hidden yeah. song at the end. And, and, and the next, the rest of it came on the, on the next album or... It was something like that. I can't remember. But. No, what, the Eagles did a theme, a theme uh, where they did country, and the second album had a theme, a uh, sort of old west theme. No, Joy. it wasn't. Wasn't that? It was something to do with the with a song on the. Anyway, I, it doesn't matter. But that's what it's reminding of. But okay. anyway, let, let's leave you completely separate entities because yeah. you are. Um, and what? So you, I, I reckon you're probably just going to keep doing this until you until you die. And we don't <laughs> want that to come too soon because we'd like some more no. suspense in in the world. Um, how are you going to try your hand at anything else? Like, have you got any any unresolved uh, desires to do? Yeah. Um... I enjoy the band work playing. I, I practice my guitar every day. You, know, you can see them behind me, and um, I'm just going to turn this heater off. It's getting hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's got it. Um, uh, I would like to do just a few more gigs, and we're only getting about three or four gigs a year. I would like a little bit more. Yeah, uh, but it's it's difficult. But um, I enjoy playing still, and I enjoy yeah. learning new things. Um. Especially if something is difficult, especially if they say, "Oh, let's learn a monkey song," for yeah. example, and everyone goes, "Oh, yeah, they were just a crap band." <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, but they weren't playing on their records. Who was playing on the records? All the top um, American uh, session musicians. Yeah, so you got you know, Dean Parks and Tommy Tedesco and God knows who else playing. Yeah, you know, the guitar parts and whoa, all right, you know. Here we go. This is pretty full on, and you and you, you learn an Eagles song, and they're they're pretty hot players. Yeah, yeah. You know, those American country players, they are dynamite. Yeah, yeah. If they're backing whoever, they're really good. Yeah. And so it's it's really um, exciting to try and learn something. They said they wanted to do Dire Straits song, Sultans of Swing, and I've gone, oh god, Mark Knopfler, oh god, oh here we go. And um, I said, all right, here we go. And I sat down. I got it. It took a month. Yeah. Uh, well, less than that. It took a couple of weeks. But it was, it, he, his style is really strange. He's got a thumb and he's used these two fingers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I use a plectrum, but I got these two fingers. So it's not too bad, but he's got such brilliant touch, you know. Oh, he's he's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. amazing. He's, 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 he might just get his lyrics from going into Harvey Norman. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but He's he's money guitar player. Oh yeah, he's bloody good. And there's others that are really really good. And so you, you, you someone puts forward a song, you think, okay, what's he doing? Who is he? Oh god, here we go. And um, you know, get you. It might be some sort of slightly heavier rock song with some long haired dude, you know. But they go and plays, and he plays all these lightning quick machine gun run, yeah. you know, uh, solos. And you think, oh god, here we go, machine gun <laughs> runs. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you oh, you think, oh god, here we go. But anyway, you, it's 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 a challenge. So the band works a challenge. The writing works a nice release, and uh, what else? I still do sport. I'm a member of my athletic club, believe it or not. And wow. uh, yeah, I walk every morning, and I've been trying to run, although I've just done a hammy. So as you get older, you know things don't go well, but I enjoy it. So keep keep healthy. You've got to keep healthy, Kez, and active. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I almost died at one stage with pancreatitis. I've only got half a pancreas. And I've been to a couple of funerals like recently. And um, that's uh, going to a funeral of someone your age is a real jolt to the yeah. system. Yeah. And you're thinking, I don't know how much time I've got left. I'm going to use it. Yes. Yeah. Basically, that's it. So the writing, the music, and uh, even enjoying the uh, running or whatever at the athletic club, even though I do it terribly badly, um, get out there. It's life. Get involved. Yeah. 100%. I always say that too, that that life, you know, life is just, it's too short. It, it You don't know what's coming. And and, and I don't mean to be, it's not about living in a morbid state, you know, and no. living sort of negatively and focusing on, oh, shit, I'm going to die soon. It's not about that. It's about focusing on the life that you do have, do you know, yeah. and, and while I'm alive, bloody make it work for you, you know, like, because you don't want to be on your deathbed and go, gee, I wish I had written that book. Gee, I wish I had have played that played in that band gee i wish you've had had have gone walking every morning like it's it's too late then you know and if you yeah you're dead right yeah i'm looking at your 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 face but next to you is you get off the bench and yeah that, that is absolutely dead on yeah it's dead on get out there and do it. it's your life do it. my wife plays golf three times a week with these lady friends although it's a bit funny at the moment because the weather's crap yeah. um and she does uh, um a charity work to, at a macro shop for two two days yeah so she's she's doing things and she's always talking to her family in scotland and all that and um we, we're planning various trips we'll shorten them down now we just recently came back from singapore and that was great. I went and saw the um, memorial or the museum uh, for people who are on the uh, Thai Burma Railroad. And yeah. my my dad, my late dad, was on was on the Thai Burma Railroad, and he he got out alive as a miracle. Yeah. Um, so I went there to pay my respects and and have a look. And wow. uh, yeah, that sort of thing. And and when Dad came back, I, I remember him saying, "They said, what do you want?" He said, oh, "I just want a normal life." Mm. Yeah, I want to have a family and have a normal life. I've had enough of war and all that. Yeah, um, and seeing people killed and all that. He just wanted, you know. And he, he and his mother, uh, my mother, um, his wife, um, they never argued once. Yeah, they would have discussions and then they would agree to disagree. And the people out there, you see, so many people arcing up over arguments. I don't argue with my mm. wife ever. Mm. If she gets a bit of a head of steam up, I just go quiet and let her let her go. Wait till she calms down. My brother's the same. Mm. I refuse. I refuse to have arguments. You yeah, know? it just inflates the situation. Let people calm down and then try and discuss whatever it is. Either let it go because it's probably only a minor point. But you've always been like that. I remember even you know back in the band many what 30 years ago, 35 years. Yeah. You were always you were always like that. Do you you know? I was the hothead, not you. <laughs> you <laughs> We sent you to get the money. Oh, you no. know. Because you you were the more aggressive one. You know. 
And, um, uh, you know, they wouldn't, because you're a girl, sorry to be sexist, because you're a girl and you were an aggressive little thing, you always got the dollars. If they wanted to sort of short changes, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> you got the bucks. We, we were quite happy with that. <laughs> and they used to call me Spitfire, remember? Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I remember you were a good lead singer. Um, and I, I enjoyed I enjoyed playing behind you. I, I do enjoy playing behind people, you yeah. know, being the guitar player um, yeah. and backing someone up and um, fitting in your licks or whatever. Uh, I, I find that really good fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Whether I have to finger pick or just throw a little solo in or whatever it may be or link things up, link chords yeah. or changes up, yeah, it's it's that's good fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love those days. I yeah. love loved them and you know but we have to get old we have to live our life we have to actually you know change things I think I think and this is a problem too with some people being depressed you know is it stuck in the past you know and, yes. I, and I wish I was still doing that and I you know I, I think we have to also accept that um yes one get off the bench and do what you really love and don't waste time like don't miss out on that but but two it's it doesn't pay to sit in a place of regret either you know or or depression you know sitting back oh I wish it was still the same because life is never the same and you've got to make the most of what it is now absolutely yeah absolutely and also um you know you watch you watch children play um yet I was at I'm at the beach sometimes you know you watch children play and there's such a a freedom and a relaxed care and everything is new and exciting you know kids don't need computer games or that all they need is a beach and a stick maybe or a ball, and that's it. They're gone for the day. They, they, yeah. they, they'll invent fun and games and build castles and do all this stuff and play in the waves quite happily, you know. They don't need all this other stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I enjoy my walks in the morning. I love looking at trees. Oh, trees are wonderful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all different sorts and the birds and all that. When you've been, like, so deathly sick as I was in 2008, it gives you a different – I used to lie in that hospital bed and look out the window and think, yeah, I could see the trees moving in the breeze, but I couldn't hear it. Mm. One day I'll get out of here and I'll be able to hear the breeze in the trees or the hear yeah. the leaves rustle. And I said, yep, yep, I'll get out there. I'll do that. I didn't know how sick I was. I was really, you know, bad for a long yeah. while. But I got out, you know. Oh, oh, doctors, doctors. I've only got one thing to say about doctors. We are not worthy. Oh, surgeons. <laughs> Surge, I've got I've got a friend, a couple of guys in the athletic club being surgeons, and uh, you just oh so clever, so yeah. good, and what a great place to save someone's life and then go home that night, you know, and and think you know that your hands prevented you know this it helped this person recover, yeah, from what it was otherwise they would be dead. Oh, whew. pretty special, isn't it? Very special, very special indeed. Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of time for anyone in the health business. Yeah. yeah. And I love what you're saying too about appreciating the trees and that. And I think that when you're talking about uh, devices and things, yes, I love my I love my Mrs. Mac. That's what I call them, my computer. <laughs> I love the internet, you know, and I love yeah. um, I love technology. I'm I'm great with technology, and I I love Facebook that I can talk to people overseas in an instant. You know, I love all that. But it's at the good. same time, I agree. I think it's I think it's ruined our kids, and it's caused this extreme burst of anxiety. You know, amongst um, oh. teenagers in particular, wanting this. Yeah, I've got a little anecdote here in my books. I'll, I've got one here. Um, okay. Luina. Yep. Luina. But look at the girl on the front cover. Yep. Okay. She's a nice young lass, right? She yep. was 15 when we took that photo. 
Her name is Mia, Mia Sharka. Uh, that's actually not her real name. It's yeah, we, we call her Mia Sharka. Yeah. She's a schoolgirl. Guess what she doesn't do? She's not on Facebook or any media. She's yeah. not she's not involved in any social media. Wow. Um, she wants to become either maybe a psychologist, she's working hard, or maybe a a, a nurse. Yeah. Okay. And she's a really caring soul. She is the loveliest of loveliest people. And we're just enamored that she has agreed so far to be on the cover of our books. Mm. Um except the second one. She's not on the cover the second one. We've got that photo of a running person somewhere, but she's been the cover. She's just great. But when you see photos of her, um, if anyone wants to have a look, have a look at her, she, we've done videos of her promoting our book. Yep. Just go to uh, YouTube and just type in James Hand author. Yeah. And, and you'll see her just uh, moving, grooving, acting like she's posing a thing. But the thing that comes across is, is her natural uh, caring attitude. Mm. It's just a lovely person inside yeah. and out you know yeah. very few and as i said not on social media you mm. know not interested in that crap that goes on there and is yeah. and is a bit doing her studies involved in life and doing other things got a part-time job at a restaurant and um does a bit of work for me and she's just great and all those teenagers out there i don't think they listen to this but you know close the media down and go out look at the trees you know yeah part-time job meet people you're a teenager meet people talk to people <laughs> take the earplugs out i know well as our team too have both got jobs but um i i always constantly say get outside get some bloody air get some fresh air instead of get get out of your bedroom we go for a walk every morning not with the kids but every morning and our neighbor's got this little shetland pony that sneaks into our house we're both on farms she, the little thing sneaks in every every night and eats our grass which is fantastic but he poops everywhere and so we're every morning we we have a, we have so much fun we check out all the little little um horsey footprints up our driveway and we're like oh here's another one and you know and then we watch the galahs and then we watch the cockies and then we look at the little birds and you know and the trees and that tree's growing well look at the little buds and i tell you what just that just that 30 minutes every morning yeah, yeah. Of, of just being present in that moment and laughing at the dogs one of our dogs is, is nut actually she's got spayed yesterday so we're trying to slow her down for a couple of weeks but but she's just insane she does zoomies and that is such a nice way to start the day it is Absolutely. just yeah i'm out i'm out every morning every morning yeah. out for five to seven ak walk yeah every wow. morning and i have been running trying to run recently but i've just done a hamstring a bit and i've got yeah. Chill out, but I'll still walk. I walked this morning. I only did a short distance. Tomorrow I'll be back to my normal things. It's only a small strain, so I'm okay. But yeah, yeah get out, get out in the morning. It's and people say it's too cold. No, it's not cold. It's invigorating. There <laughs> is a difference. <laughs> I agree. We still get out there with the beanie and jacket on. And go holy yeah. hell, it's freezing. But no, it's not. It's invigorating. We still do it. Well, we still do it. I, my um late mum, I think you met my mum, didn't you? Oh yeah, many times, many. Yeah, times. okay. My my mate mum made one hundred and five. Wow. Yeah, wow. and she was in a nursing. Her eyes went. Unfortunately, around about she was about ninety five, and her eyes went, which is. Oh. And but she lived on the radio, and the radio was a godsend. Talkback radio, she loved it, and gradually, gradually, she just got more and more frail. You yeah. know, the body can only go so far. Anyway, um. We'd go and visit her. We we split it, and each person, my brother, his wife, then my wife, then me, we'd split one day each to go and visit her, and someone else would come on the weekend. 
um, you'd go into these places and there you go past these rooms in these care facilities and they're lying on the bed and that's all they're doing. And the chest might be going up and down and it's God's waiting room, yeah. you know, and we'd take mum for a walk or every day we'd say, okay, let's go for a walk, you know, and we'd chat about things and she knew stuff that was going on. She, she didn't have dementia. Yeah. She was fine. She was 105. I remember she was about 104 and I went and visited her and I said something like, um, oh, because everyone would talk about something different. Yeah, the girls would do girly talk, so it'd be a bit sexist, but yeah. the girls would do girls talk. I do more sports and stuff to talk. I remember once saying to her, I said, Oh, young Casey Stoner won the whatever it was, Monaco Grand Prix. She said, Oh, yes, he's going very well. She knew what was going on. Yeah. 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 She had her marbles. And that's good. If you can yeah. be old and have your marbles, that's a godsend. Yeah. But, some people get dementia and it's just awful. But no, oh, well, your mum was a gorgeous human. Yeah, I met her many, many times. We were at your house many, many times, and she was just beautiful. Just a beautiful lady. Beautiful. Even at 90, she could do shorthand on the phone. Yeah. She'd answer the phone and say, Oh, yes, just a second. And she'd write down whatever they're saying in shorthand. And I remember saying wow. to her, saying, What is that? She says, Oh, it's just that I've got, and there's all these hieroglyphics. Yeah, yeah. What is that? She says, Oh, it's Jenny, and I've got to meet her at such and such. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I did shorthand at school, but I go and wouldn't, wouldn't, I don't think I did very well. Oh, anyway. did well. She got, she was a uh, shorthand, uh, sorry, the stenographer for the, uh, she rose up in 1930, whatever it was, uh, no, 40, about 1947, eight, around there. She was getting married and she uh, was the chief stenographer for the head of the SEC, which is actually quite a good job for yeah. ladies in those days. Yeah. Um, but then she had to leave. She had to leave because she was getting married. married. That's what it was like in the 20s, 30s and 40s. Yeah. If you were a lady and you got married, sorry, job's gone. Wow. Wow. Thank we, we often think, we often think, don't we, that there's not enough gender advancement, which I do agree there's not enough gender advancement. Yeah, yeah. But but when you look back to that, you know, like a lot has changed and still still not enough. But, you know, imagine nowadays saying, well, women can't stay in. I was just seeing this, read this thing on, um, I don't know where I read it, anyway, about the Chinese and there's this, when they turn 35, yeah. um, they're considered too old to employ at 35. And so it's called the the, the curse, the 35 years. Yeah, yeah, I've something. heard something like that. Wow, mm. amazing. Anyway, better wrap this up. This has been fantastic. Okay. Now, what? Um, last, I just want to know, what advice you got for any budding authors? Well, number one, be true to yourself. If you want to write something, no matter how good or bad it is, you know, um, try yeah. And if you really think you know good, try a short story. Get a theme in your head. If you don't know what to write about, go walking. Open the eyes, open the ears. There'll be something out there in the supermarket or wherever it is. Just look. You might see a kid, you know, complain to his mother and you think, well, why is he a little brat? And there you are. There's your starting point. Yeah. You know, what happened to this lady that she'd be had a brat? You know, you, you can write any story. So um, get your theme. Try the short story. Um, and then read some other people, but don't try and follow them. I don't read yeah. too much anymore because it would um, sway you, sway yeah. my style of writing. Yeah. Um, I'm true to myself. Some people will like it, some people won't. Won't. That's okay. If people don't like what you write, that's fine. They won't have to buy it. But yeah. the people who do, if they enjoy it, great. You know. Yeah. And basically, that's it. Have a crack, and don't be put off if it's not so good. My first novel, Luina was stripped down. You cannot believe how the professional editor stripped it down to 
grandma, 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 red line, red line, red line. It was, I went, oh, God, oh, God. It was more red on than it was black. And I went, oh, bloody hell. So I thought, you, son, although you think you know how to write, you better go and do a few courses and read up on it. So I did. And I thought, oh, I see what. Eh. And then I uh, worked it out. And then I got a Grammarly uh, editor, which I downloaded through. My, Brett helped me. And that was a lot of help. And now I just do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. I know how to do it now, you know, get the processes in the right place and the structures right and the clauses, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. So that, that's okay now. The only thing is when you do something, put it aside for a week or whatever and then come back to it. And will it sound good? It can't, is it still good? You know, yeah. have a, yeah. And if it's not, then say to yourself, talk to yourself. Oh, that's not so good. Uh, what's wrong here? It's not believable. Oh, the person's too hard. Whatever it may be. Yeah. And then go again. You yeah. know, you, you can't do it's like a, like many people, you can't succeed unless you fail first. Yeah, agree. That's the key issue. Yeah. You've got to fail first and then you'll keep at it and it's human beings. Keep yeah. at it at it, you know. And eventually yeah. you'll get to a point where you, maybe you are happy enough. Yeah. And then you go to the next step. Yeah, that's the only advice. That's, I can that's great, absolute great advice. And the other thing you said, something I'm noticing that you've said all through this interview is the constant asking of big questions, the constant asking, you know, be curious. What what could that be? Who could that be? How could that be? You know, that sort of stuff. Yes, yes. Constantly asking those big curious questions. and Absolutely. Yeah. And trust your brain, you'll get the answer. Yeah. You'll get the answer. You might occasionally talk to people. Um, yeah. I uh yeah, and you just listen to people, and yeah, uh, yeah and you, yeah, you'll get the answer. No problems. Have I faith, love it. Have trust. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for oh, thanks, guys. Good this to see is, you again. Ah, oh, good to see you. This has been fantastic, and not yeah. only catching up with you, that's been that's been absolutely bloody fantastic. And we should do it more off offline. Yeah, yeah I'll give you a call. I'm, I'm seeing. I'm going up to see Ray sometime soon, so I'll give you a call sometime in a few months, and I'll come yeah. down your way. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Would love to yeah. love, love to spend some time with you. It's been too long, but at least we've done this and I'm really glad. And you've brought yeah. some really good information for people who might be wanting to write books and you know, also who might be seeking an adventure and a thrill. I can go and read your books, but I've absolutely, absolutely loved this. So thank you so much. No worries. Great. It's been good. It's great to see All you again. Excellent. All right. Catch you soon. Catch you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh, guys, I hope you enjoyed that little bit of reminiscing in there. And, you know, I absolutely loved the time in my past that I spent with Ian playing in a band with him. And he's just a, a really bloody good guy. So that was a, that was really nice for me. So I, I hope hope that wasn't too much um, personal stuff for you, but uh, I really enjoyed it. But in amongst all that personal stuff, there was some really great information from Ian, or, or we'll call him James, you know, about the about writing books. But... You know, that I love the whole just keep asking the question, back yourself, you know, go out and sit out in nature and start dreaming about something. Get your theme. Look, there. I speak to so many people who say, I want to write a book. One day I'm going to write a book, but never do. And I don't want anyone on their deathbed going, oh, I wish I had have written that book. So I really hope today's episode has given you some I don't know, just that little kick in the bum that makes you go, you know what, screw it, I'm going to have a go. And if it's bad, as as um, Ian said, you've got to fail first. 
if it's bad, it's bad. Don't worry about it. Just keep going. As Ian said, I used to write songs. He writes songs. But I remember my first song I wrote when I was about seven, and it was about having some campfire dinner with steaks and eggs and God knows what. And I played it to my neighbour who taught me the guitar, and, and she said, oh, you wrote that yourself? I said, yeah. And she said, oh, oh, well, that's, that's yeah, that's very good. And I, And even at seven I knew she was like, no, that's bloody awful. And But, you know, I was so proud of it. The fact is I'd actually done it. I'd put words on paper and I had put music to it. And 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 it, and it goes from there. The thing is, once you fail the first time, you got to have the guts to stand back up again and go, yeah, that wasn't so good. And be honest and, and, and go, I'm going to have another crack and I'm just going to get better and better. And the more you practice, I'm not going to say practice makes perfect because it doesn't. Practice just gets you better and better and better each time. We never reach perfection. So if you want to check out some of um, Ian's stuff i'm going to put the links in the show notes and there's a there's a youtube channel and there's um also uh james hand author on instagram and if you want to check out his band i'll put in the the link to that as well so and you might as well go read some of his books to get a bit of a thriller or all of them actually because it sounds like there's a many many more coming anyway hope you enjoyed that hope it inspired you thanks for joining me again this week And I'll see you again next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com. Tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.